0: Welcome to World Building Live. World Building Live is a bi-weekly meetup of the Mastermind Adventures professional dungeon masters led by Ali Selentic, Master of Lore, Game Designer, and Head Writer. Each series, the team works together to create a full world that can be used as a homebrew setting for any campaign. They invite the audience to join them in that endeavor. Join us live on Monday nights on the Mastermind Adventures Discord server to participate in any of these sessions. The link can be found in the description.
1: Welcome, everyone, to episode two um, of our ongoing series, right? Yes. Cool. <laughs> um, so, uh, where were we when we last left off? Which is a, a phrase I cannot say without needing to take a sip of my soda. <laughs>
0: Um, well, we had, um, referring to my notes, um, we had kind of just done some general ideas for the world. Um, the idea that, uh, some, um, magical or otherwise catastrophe, um, caused all of the, the plants and particularly trees of the world to kind of grow out of control. Um, it's a world where people live on top of the trees, um, and the trees are kind of like... Um, almost like the 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 oceans in a way. Um, there's they have dangerous creatures down below. Not not many people can live on the ground, um, and uh, you know just in general, um, uh, kind of like a a, a a different kind of fantasy world where everyone is kind of trying to stay away from the forests and, and scary places of the world. Um, yeah, so we talked a little bit about like general stuff stuff things like fire magic is going to be like kind of really dangerous um uh people adapting to live on top of uh the 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 trees different kinds of forests that might be there we talked about having a, a whole area that was just trees that were it was like a constant wildfire in the trees being kind of um hemmed in by uh trees that act as a fire break um awakened trees um like a dead sea uh where nothing can grow and it's like some of the only actual water visible um oceans with kelp and seaweed um and maybe like floating cities made of trees with their roots interwoven um, yeah and just like what kind of uh what kind of magic and stuff like that would live here and then this week, we're doing, uh, like, races and cultures and okay. interesting stuff about that.
1: So I know I know before we started the recording, uh, we were yes. talking a little bit about who we have, but since we're yes. now doing the recording,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: shall we discuss what we had there again?
0: Sure. Okay. Um, I have uh, elves um, as my main one, and I also have halflings, um, but my halfling notes consist of, like, literally five words uh, that I've just... Pattern on here which is great uncle moto and sky whales ah. so uh well i'm gonna be riffing on that later
1: uh, but, I'm, uh, I'm sure you will uh, well uh for uh, yeah great uncle moto is a is a character that shows up in in every game we have done i think yes since, since uh he was first introduced so yeah yes. that makes sense um and brian who did you have
2: I had taken the Aracakra. hmm I can never pronounce that right. And yeah. the orcs, but I I spent all my time on the on the birds and never got <laughs> to the to Ascent. the big dumbs. So <laughs> Okay. Um, but I, I like what I got so far for the for the Eagle Boys and Girls. So
1: Okay. Uh and I had um the Rat Folk, which I alluded to last week. Um and I'm I'm looking forward to exploring that a little bit. Uh I'm, a lot of mine is so like I mentioned before, like I have a lot of general ideas for them, and I'm sure what's going to actually end up happening is I'm going to be uh, talking with you guys and expanding out on that, and then just being like, and that's it, that's the thing right there. So <laughs> that's that's my plan, anyways.
0: Yeah, that's usually how I create too, but I have some good ideas for elves, and I'm I'm okay. excited about
1: them. So who goes first? Since Ali you're the one actually running this.
0: Uh, I mean I can go first with 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 elves if you guys want that. Yeah, so, sure. We can talk about them. Okay. So, um my thought for um the elves is so like in basic fantasy, elves tend to be the ones who are like most in tune with nature. They're like an elder race. Um they they have very long lives. Um uh there's I, I'm talking about elves in particular in Uh, Like, their their three most basic sub-races, which would be High Elves, Wood Elves, and Dark Elves. Um, Mostly because I like the trinity of them. Um, uh, One of my uh, favorite games, uh, systems of all time, um, 13th Age, uses that trinity as, like, a thing. There's, like, an elf queen, and she's of all three races. And they kind of all live together in different parts of the forest. So um, I kind of took a little bit of inspiration from that. Um, So... uh, the idea is that the High Elves, uh, being High Elves, um, live on top of the canopy. They build, like, these kind of very delicate um, wood and glass structures. Because we had talked about, like, some trees maybe having, like, hardening into, like, a glass-like state um, as they're plucked. So they have these big, like, spiraling spires that kind of almost look like seashells. Um, they almost look like they're floating on top of the canopy. Um they do a lot with, like, um, taming um, large birds to, like, fly around on. Um, they uh, they are... Um, well, I'll get into more about, like, kind of their past when I kind of get to that part, but um, they live on top. The Wood Elves live uh, below the canopy, but kind of in the higher branches of the trees. Um, they build their homes around trees. They have, um, you know, wood bridges that connect them um rope bridges they they swing around um on stuff like that and then the dark elves live um actually at the forest floor but they kind of dig out areas underneath the trees and use the roots to like support um the like roofs of their their houses they don't live deep underground like an underdark they just literally live like hobbits in little holes in the ground um and like that's kind of their yeah that's kind of their thing Um, so my, my thought for like kind of their wider culture is I thought it might be interesting if the elves were kind of like the, um, the keepers of like, uh, burial traditions. Um, so we had talked last week a little bit about the, like lowering bodies down to the forest as like a a burial ritual, um, to like feed the trees. And I thought maybe like, it might be cool if the elves, um, are kind of each, each one of them is part of that kind of ecosystem of like disposing of the dead in in the best way possible so the high elves um uh the like bodies are brought to them to be entoured and they um being like the magical like the mad most magical of the creatures they um use like magic to like clean them and and make them like whole um they uh like prepare them for their journey um they're the ones who offer a lot of like the spiritual um Comfort for those who've lost loved ones. They perform like the the actual like uh, services, like like burial services. Um, and the wood elves basically act as couriers. Um, they take the bodies from the high elves and bring them down to the forest floor um, because they know the trees and the best ways to get down and the safest ways. Um, and then uh, the dark elves are the ones who actually. Uh, take the bodies and i'm i'm oscillating between they bury them around the trees or they might like turn them into some sort of compost and use that on the trees or the the um the the stuff uh the 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 forest floor around them um to make the trees go, grow strong um and kind of shepherd the forest in that way i kind of like the idea of them being like forest shepherds but not in the way that they usually are yeah. um, so um my thought is that in the past um so i don't know about you but whenever i think of high elves i kind of think of like really like snooty like wizarding elves they like to say that they're like in touch with nature but they really just kind of bend nature to their will so i kind of thought that maybe in the past um before like the cataclysm happened before the trees grew out of control um the uh the high elves were kind of like at the forefront um, but all of the other elves also, in a way, would um, kind of, like, uh, I use the word manicured in my um, notes, but, like, they would basically, like, tame the wilderness. They would go in and build their beautiful houses, um, you know, their Art Deco Um, And they would slowly <laughs> expand out, like, uh, cutting down all of the the brush, planting the right kind of trees in perfect order. Um, you know, making everything look very beautiful but also very kind of artificial in a way. Um just kind of like uh uh taking the nature out of nature and just making it like, you know you know, they're just they're just they're they're kind of dicks like that.
1: Um so so for the record, your elves are not Art Nouveau and dwarves are art deco. It's just they're they're Art Deco
0: Yeah, yeah. Well just kind of like, you know, like the sweeping like, you know, um arches but also kind of that geometrical straight lines mm. you know everything kind of working out as a um as just like a like it, it just looks like a garden everything that they own looks like gardens okay they're very carefully manicured their bushes are trimmed perfectly the trees are always symmetrical um you know like they probably because elves are long lived like that they probably have specialized gardeners that like ensure that the the trees, when they are like go through their autumn phase, like fade at a perfect fade. So, like, all of the trees look like a big, like, rainbow. Um, you know, like, <laughs> that's like what that, they used yeah. to do because that was the thing. And, like, via the, the thought is that, like, the wood elves were kind of a little more in tune with nature, but still had that sense of like taming the wilderness rather than like living in harmony with it. You know, they would go in and be like, okay, we're gonna live in these trees, but like, we're gonna shape them to how we want to live them. We're gonna make them grow into our houses, you know, like, yeah they're gonna they're forcing their will on nature um and uh when like the cataclysm happens um and everything started growing out of control, obviously the elves were the first ones to really feel that uh like terror because their their very houses in some cases were like growing out of control, and you know suddenly they find themselves like you know seven seven thousand feet up in the air on a giant redwood because you know um they everything grew like crazy. Um, And I think that uh, the elves kind of took that as a uh, like a warning or punishment, maybe that um, they weren't doing the right thing. They needed to really learn how to live in harmony with nature now that nature has forced its way into their lives and doesn't seem like it's going away. So they basically had to abandon all of their homes um, down in the forest and they kind of um, developed this. Uh, kind of like symbiotic nature with the, the forest that they live in Um, be them like jungles or temperate forests or, you know, whatever, whatever kind of place they live. This is, they kind of try to live in harmony with that. Um, So like, they still, they do still like tame creatures, but it's less of like a, we're going to capture them and like force them to do our bidding and more like learning how to approach them as friends and like, you know, be, uh, be companions and partners to the animals that they work with, rather than like masters.
1: Yeah.
0: Um,
2: so like so a that's shepherd of the forest.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like in a in a very like you know like we're we were we're forced to live in harmony with nature. So we're gonna do a good job about it. And like part of that, I think, is their like their kind of traditions for caring for the dead. Um, you know, like like using them to feed the trees, so that the people that die become the trees and are still there with them and still help support them. Um, I kind of thought that was like a nice way to think about, um, you know, like what people would do because you can't really bury people now easily because, you know, um, there's trees everywhere and and the flora has grown out of control so you can't really get to the ground. Um, You can't really burn them because everything is trees and what if you start a forest fire? Um, You know, so, and and I just thought that was kind of like an interesting way to kind of handle that. So my thought is that like, Uh, Many people of the world bring their, um, you know, their, their dead to the elves to, like, uh, inter them, depending on where they are. I imagine that the elves kind of tried to spread themselves around, um, and make sure that they're always, like, accessible to the people of the world. Maybe not necessarily living next to, uh, groups, but all, but, like, living, um, within, within reach of, you know, a couple days journey, um, I also kind of think of, of them not necessarily as isolationist, but they're very like um, like caste focused. So like, okay. um, you have like professions that you like when you when you join a profession, you're almost born into the professions that you have. Because um, that can also cause a little bit of like fun conflict for elven PCs. Um, yeah. You know their dad. Their dad was oh. a mortician, and they don't want to be a mortician. So like, they've got to go find another person to apprentice to.
1: Yeah. So rather um, than the the Dritz to Warden story of like, I'm the only good like drow. You can be like, no, I'm uh, I'm I'm a woodworker. But what I really want yeah. to be is a dancer. And like, you know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And be a yeah. Exactly. And, like, yeah okay
0: so i think that like in particular the elves that don't live in these societies like i think it's rare to see elves outside of these societies like just because it's rare that they want to kind of live outside of what their culture says um you know they're they're long-lived races they're very focused on the past and like preparing things for the future so like I think that they've got, like, that kind of long memory of, like, you know, maybe maybe when an elf is young, they, like, go out into the worlds, and they do a couple years of adventuring, and then they come back, and they settle down, and they, you know, apprentice to whatever, you know, they're oh. supposed to apprentice to, and, you know, like...
1: Uh, it's, what? it's the, it's that Amish tradition where, like, they go. Oh, uh, like R- springa
0: yeah, yeah, where they go off Rumspringa. for, like, a,
1: like, a season and, like, are not Yeah, modest. like, live in the modern world. Yeah. Yeah,
0: like, so I kind of think that, like, that would kind of be, like, a, also a fun thing to be, like, yeah, like, there's these elves, but they don't always have to be, like, these kind of, like, stoic funerary, like, always thinking of the dead and how to, like, yeah. shepherd the forest best. Um, but I kind of like that, like, image of, um. Like, these elves being a little more, like, morbid than the standard ones. Um, because they've also, they've lost pretty much, I mean, everyone's lost a lot of stuff. But I feel like the elves probably feel responsible for some of this. Because they're, like, the, the forest bit back. And we have to spend the rest of our, like, lives fixing that. Um. So, uh, I don't really have, like... Like, okay, so I had this idea where I was, like, okay, like... The Dark Elves, um, because Dark Elves are always kind of edgy and a little bit, uh, you know, like they're, they're edgelords. Um, They, they like darkness, you know, they, they, if you even like look at this, like the stats that you get when you have a Dark Elf, like they can't handle like the light. They, they live all their lives in the dark and they have all these like weird magical powers. And um, so I was thinking about like, you know, what kind of uh, like they, they're like the ones who actually take the bodies and like put them where they're supposed to be um they must spend a lot of time like like either building probably building underground tunnels to get between these areas to like make sure that they're fertilizing all of the trees around them um uh, but i thought it might be interesting if they um and this was taken shamelessly from um the lock tomb series uh but i thought it might be cool if they were like if they they painted their faces with like skulls um and they wore like a lot of like bones as decorations yeah um you know cuz like bones bones are pretty much all that's left once a body is decomposed so like i kind of imagine them like collecting those bones and like using them to like build their their like underground homes and like using like you know the the femurs to like shore up their windows and just like i thought it might be really weird and cool to have them be like very like reuse every part of the dead body yeah. um but like in a respectful way not in like a scary way but you know um but yeah, I kind of Grandma yeah, Grandma
1: was the foundation of this family and now she is the foundation of this house.
0: Right? Yeah, like. yeah. Like I just thought it might be cool if they were all like painting their faces with like these skulls and like you know, like when you see an elf like a, a dark elf in particular, like out and about in the world, it's kind of like whoa like who is this goth person and they're just like oh hi like how are you doing I, I know I'm wearing a skull like that's my job to put the dead to rest like it's fine <laughs> like I kind of like the idea of like a, like a bunch of dark elf necromancers just being like yeah like we just walk the bodies over to the place that they have to go and then we just like let we we lay them down and you know they, they decompose and then they're part of the trees um, yeah. I just I kind of
2: see, I could see that being a source of like, a deep-seated source of resentment, though.
1: Uh, at but the very I mean, least, I... suspicion, yeah. Well,
3: oh,
2: yeah. Well, sure, just keep on sending us all of your dead. Don't worry, we'll take care of them for you. It's great. <laughs> it, doesn't sm- it doesn't smell down here or anything.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, like, I that mean,
2: also... It... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, after you.
1: Uh, I was just gonna say, like, it also lends itself uh, to changing a lot of, like, the, uh, the drow society, because, like, in, in traditional drow society and like, um, Faroon and, and like just right out the book, uh, like drow have a big connection with like, um, spiders and, and things like that. Mm. But you could definitely well, so... change that now to like, uh, like carrion bugs and
3: yeah, uh, yeah,
1: like, yeah. like, like the, the,
0: yeah, like looking at like dark elves, um, they get like dancing lights and, and fairy fire and darkness, mm-hmm. um, uh. But they have like superior dark vision, and they have a high charisma, which I kind of also think might be interesting to kind of lend them towards like you know being kind of like like weirdly people are weirdly drawn to them um you know like they they're like they're it's it's literally a morbid fascination with like these people whose like whole lives are about like breaking down bodies and like feeding the trees um I thought it might be cool if instead of spiders um they would breed like enormous death death head moths to like fly around on in like the darkness of the forest um uh and i figured like the uh so like the high elves have more like birds that they like partner with i imagine them like um taming like giant rocks and uh like using them to like fly around and like you know they're, they're like the 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 hearses i guess
3: yeah um
0: you know collecting the the dead and and bringing them and their families to like you know the the funerals um and i thought that it might be interesting that if the uh wood elves kind of partnered with um uh like like apes or monkeys um and kind of like in like taking with that they like learned kind of the best ways to like maneuver through the branches of the uh the trees and like how to like cross an entire forest without touching the ground
3: yeah
1: Um, i can i can actually see drow being like uh kind of like they are normally kind of a a much more like rare sight for like non-elves because like uh if they're very like caste oriented uh they might not have a lot of dealings with people who are outside of the normal structure so like uh you know like hearing that somebody like met a drow the elves might be like oh like why? You're supposed to go yeah. through us for that. Like.
0: Yeah, like, how? How? How did you meet them? They're supposed yeah. to stay down there.
1: That, um, that could be a lot of very interesting, and a lot of internal conflict in that, especially. Yeah, like, yeah, like,
0: it, I don't, like, it's, they, they work in tandem, you know, yeah. like, that's, their whole well, thing is that they're, like, part of a cycle. Yeah. But I also kind of imagine that, like, there is some, there is, like, you know, friction between them. Well, um, uh, I imagine that, like... Like what else are are people who like to like they they make connections with people and they because they're the ones who kind of bridge that connection between above the canopy and below the canopy. Yeah. Um,
1: well, I was I was like, thinking more like the internal conflict of like a PC in any of these societies might might very well have a lot of like that that. Um, well, let's be completely honest. All PCs are edge lords to begin with. Um, oh, yeah, like
0: everyone's on so, like, as when they start out, oh, yeah of,
3: course, of and, course and
1: so like there you can have like a lot of that like tension between like uh societal expectations versus what the p c wants and like uh that kind of um uh, uh uh friction between like again like the player and like how everybody else sees them versus like how they really are there's a lot of a lot of fun stuff you can do with that,
3: yeah. Yeah,
0: so that was kind of my my thought for the elves. Um, I I just kind of I I like the idea of like each different kind of elf, but I'm sure there's other elves out there. Like, I mean, I was thinking about Eladrin a little bit um, because I love Eladrin. I love like the 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 uh, seasonal themes that they have, um, and I thought it might be kind of interesting if like the Eladrin, um, it like their kind of escape from the cataclysm was to like turn themselves into trees um to like become a part of it you know uh because they were like oh like yeah you know like this is our this is our punishment for living like too above what we started out as like now we are part of the forest um and so like the elogen are like uh are now like not even necessarily like trees but like they're like covered in bark and like briars yeah kind of like that but like you know, like they're, they're like, they're living trees. They've, they've, they, they photosynthesize and they, um, they like take their nutrients from the ground and like, you won't ever see them coming if they come for you, you know? Um, they're just going to fight, they're going to get you and you're just going to disappear. And like, that's, that's it. Uh, so I thought that might kind of be an interesting, um, kind of like take on, on Eladrin and like that, the, the more fae elves, um, and, like, I think I also like the idea of there being, like, sea elves. Um, I love sea elves. Yeah. Uh, that are, like, you know, like, living in these choked kelp forests. Um, you know, building, like, uh, weird sub-mechanical uh, horror things out of, like, whale bones. Like, it, you know, weird stuff like that. Everything has to do with death. Um, and then uh, the Shatter Kai, which are legitimately, like, my favorite kind of elf. Um, I thought maybe they could be like uh, elves that to escape from the cataclysm like went to the the uh, like the shadow realm. <laughs> um, you know, they they like crossed the planar barrier to what is basically the opposite of the Feywilds. Um, and now like you know, they you only see them like in the deepest, darkest parts of the forest where there are still portals like that they use to take them into this other world. Um, which is stealing a little bit from, like, Pathfinder lore with how the elves escaped, like, uh, Earthfall, which is a giant meteor hitting Galarian. Um, they, like, literally opened up portals to, like, another planet in their solar system and just went there for a couple of thousands of years. And so, like, when you go to, like, the Venus analog in the system, like, you just find elves there. And, like, these big cities of elves that just live on, like, the Venus analog is really funny.
2: You know, I can almost see the argument to be made for like creating a new circle for druids, like the Circle of Life, or yeah, um, that I think I feel like there's a lot of really cool mechanics that, that you could play off of with that. Yeah. On um, more yeah. I mean, even if you reskin the the Circle of Spores.
0: Yeah, I'd have to. I'm the, gonna. Right. That's my. I'm gonna <laughs> make a note there to like look that up.
1: I have it's to admit, like, yeah. uh, I'm not I'm not terribly well versed with fifth edition. Uh, a lot of my my knowledge comes from like Pathfinder, but like, uh, kind of making this somewhat like uh, setting uh, neutral a little bit. But like, uh, mm. you could definitely see like a lot of like the uh, the the influence for like uh, uh, I forget what they're called. I think they're plague druids. Uh, the ones that are like all yeah. about like decay and, and things like that being like yeah.
0: Circle of Spores um, I think has a little bit of that. I'm looking it up right now. Um, it's basically like, it's decay. Yeah. Because that's where mushrooms grow. They grow in decay. Yeah. So like there's um, yeah, like at level two you're surrounded by an invisible necrotic spore cloud. It's harmless to you unless you unleash them on a creature nearby and it deals necrotic damage. Like I could definitely see something like like reskinning this um to be more like maybe less fungus and more like um I don't know it could probably easily be reskinned.
2: Um, the decay cycle itself.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um there is like so in in my homebrew game that I run for Mastermind, um I reskinned the Shadar, the Shadarkai, um, as the Shadar who are uh like the only remaining elves left in this world because Uh, again there was a big cataclysm the god of the sun died the sun went out um, and to escape like you know the darkness and the cold and the crazy storms most of the elves like transported their main city into the Feywild to just like wait it out and but the Shadar were left and the Shadar are cursed to basically uh, living things like just die around them Um, like plants and not animals or people but like plants in particular like wherever they settle eventually turns into like a desert because nothing can grow around them um and some are like more cursed than others um but like whenever a large group of them gets together usually the place where they settle ends up being like you know like a just a, a place that's kind of devoid of life a desert or um you know like uh like a, a dead swamp you know stuff like that
1: um uh, as, so like as we were talking about white wolf earlier that also sounds very like promethean yeah
0: yeah yeah so um so something like that where it's like oh yeah like the drow just like make things decay around them like that's their that's their thing they instead of having like the the fairy fire they have like a like ne- necromancy spells maybe yeah um, something kind of cool to to give them a little bit something different
1: um, I, I cuz i always like the
0: idea of dark elves not being like we lurk in the the deep dark underground and like They're really cool, but you don't ever see them unless you go to the Underdark, so now we have to make, like, 6,000 rebel Dark Elves so that you can see them on the surface.
1: Yeah, uh, there's, um, I'm not sure if there's a spell like it in, uh, Fifth Ed, but, like, uh, for those listening that are like, oh, I want to use this for, like, Pathfinder or whatnot, like, giving, uh, the Drow instead, like, uh, Sculpt corpse, decay corpse, and restore corpse at will. Yeah, yeah, uh, would be really cool because like I could picture like a bunch of like Drow just being like, "Well, I need to lug this like like body over to like that tree. I'm just gonna make it a bunch of bones for a little while and
0: like yeah, yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, I thought it like so so in my in my mind at least the Drow didn't necessarily like they don't really they do prepare the bodies a little bit, but like their job is to put the bodies where they belong. And it's the high elves who do like all of that stuff. Like, Ah, they like, they're the ones who are like, okay, here's like, you know, the body of your grandmother. Um, you know, we're going to like, uh, clean it and, and like, like wrap it in these like fragrant cloths and, you know, um, like, like sculpt it to make it look, you know, look like maybe she looked like when she was younger or whatever. Um, how whatever kind of thing is like the best for, you know, the people bringing it there, um, you know, they're they're the morticians of the world. They like you know embalm them basically, but like in a in a more like natural way. Yeah. And then it's like it's the the drow are the ones who are like great, like we are the pallbearers. We carry this, or like the what else are the pallbearers? They're yeah. like the grave diggers, and okay. they like tend to like the graveyard
3: uh so, yeah
1: okay so like expedious excavation then or yeah yeah like that yeah
0: definitely like decay decay stuff you know yeah um because like i did think of um there is like there's this book series i've been reading again because i usually just draw from um things that i'm like that are running around in my mind we all there's do this, it uh, yeah i know um that's why my my series for the uh the blog is called the Thieves Guild, because it's uh. all about stealing things from other places for your game. Um but there's this uh there's this book I'm reading it's a it's a sci-fi like more of a space opera book, um very like very sci-fi. Um but there's this like group of people these these humans who like left Earth when it was dying and they live in these like huge colony ships. Um and they're called like the the Exodus Fleet and to to like uh because they're on ships and every resource is precious on a ship um they uh have this very specialized way of um uh like interring people where they like they have these like they compost the bodies basically they like have these very specific chambers where they can like safely like decompose the body over several weeks um and like they turn it into like a like compost that they then take and like put around like the the in the gardens of their area, um, at, like uh, on their ships to like sh- so that people can visit these gardens and like feel close to their loved lo- loved ones are gone. So that's also a little bit of like the inspiration that I kind of had for uh, some of these things.
3: Okay.
0: Yeah. So like I was wondering, I was like maybe they'd like you know decompose the bodies, or maybe they just leave the bodies where they are. Like I imagine. They are cautious about wild animals and things like that. Um, although, like, when we were watching The Witcher last night, I was like, oh, that's also an interesting way to get rid of the devil, <laughs> where they, like, feed it to the wolves, which is yeah. also really cool. Um, yeah, so that that is my idea for the elves.
1: I, I now can't help but think of, like, the, like, there's just, like, one high elf somewhere who's just, like, running a shady, like, for-profit business of, like, Oh, I'm so sorry to hear about your your lost husband. Funerary arrangements. Did he want to be eaten by wolves, beetles, or just buried? Like uh Yeah. That,
3: yeah.
1: Kind, of, <laughs> that kind of guy. Yeah. Like uh you know well beetles are extra, just just to be yeah. clear. Um We gotta
0: get the beetles from very far away.
1: Yes. And but it is it is a much more painless procedure. Like the body's yeah. dead. like he doesn't care. Much uh,
2: much more aesthetic.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I I kinda like that though bone
2: um, beetles where they leave them polished so you can pass them down as a family heirloom They
3: have
1: yeah. like, in real life they have that but anyways uh um, <laughs> this is the type of stuff you you research when you're both a gm and a writer is like yeah. how do they get bones so polished and you're like yeah oh, it's a beetle can, how oh, much wow. are they like can i own uh, one <laughs> my, my purse
2: my personal FBI agent must be scratching his head at my search right. history. Oh, I'm fairly right? certain like, I oh. got
1: upgraded to the NSA. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: How to disarm a bomb? It's for writing. I promise.
1: Uh, uh, no, uh, the real problem is when—not when I search that, but my my search history is filled with things like how make bomb is gunpowder yes. expense, like
3: you know, yeah, uh, exactly. stuff like that.
1: So. Um I guess yes, I guess yes, I'll yes. go next unless Brian you wanted to go uh for your your Eric uh, Cochrane.
2: Uh, I'm fine to go. Uh, hopefully I can be on for another good chunk of time but just in case I can't maybe. Yeah,
3: okay, yeah. yeah go ahead.
2: I can go now. All right. So I had the Eric and um I actually had a really good time with it. Um I started out like I usually do starting big. So I decided to work on their mighty and grand capital city, which, as the rulers of this new world, as they've set themselves up to be, they would of course have picked the largest and biggest tree for their new kingdom. Um, so, I, I, I mean, all the names, of course, are for up for decisions, but I, I just named it Farview for now. Um, so, this would be the capital city of the Ericocker nation built atop the highest and most massive tree in the the region where where this faction is Mm -hmm. um they've named the tree saimi i i I don't know but so there's a cool name for the tree which i totally have written down yeah Um, (laughs) (laughs) but it's a fir tree whose branches spread for about half a mile in every direction so this is one of like the biggest trees. Yeah. Um, so but this but this gives the city room to sprawl and build uh between the twigs as they would say. Um it's a massive multi level city and um there's whole sections of the branches um where they harvest and dry the needles of this pine tree, of this fir Ooh. tree for building. Because each one of them could be the size of, you know, a full grown lumber tree for our universe. To think about how huge they would have to be. So yeah. Um, so this this city and most of it's been built with these needles or um, built into the trunk itself, which is enormous. Mm-hmm. Um, so this beautiful and probably extremely fragrant city um, looks over what the arakakra call the mountain, which is just the entire canopy below them. Um, <laughs> they would do all their hunting and patrolling there, using it like they would a normal field. so, I mean, if if they're birds of prey, they'd be overwatching, you know, beautiful fields somewhere where they can see everything, and this is their perch. So, um, they they know that this place is basically inaccessible to anybody without wings. So, they've made a series of um, lifts and cable cars that would utilize the, they found a way to make giant winches with cables that kind of utilize the stored energy, store the energy of the branches moving. And then they just release that to power the cables. Um, so they, you know, being just and proud and running this new world, um, they're still, you know, pretty fair people. You know, they're they're very honor bound, as you would expect a, you know, such a symbolic looking creature in this new world to be. Mm. Um, they know that nobody could ever hope to match their newfound prowess without wings of their own. I mean, like, they they rule the skies. In a world where flying is king, and they can all fly, they are the king, queen, of this world. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, with with the world at their disposable, they've been able to multiply and nest basically where they want. And so they have a absolutely massive standing army and one of the finest guard forces in the world at this point. So um, because of that, um, Farview is considered one of, if not the safest city in the world. Hmm. If if something bad were to happen, people would flock to, to this tree. Um, um, yeah, I just, I just see it as like this big, giant pine tree or fir trees, just massive cone of a city above <laughs> the other trees.
0: That's really, I love the idea of a giant fir tree. Like, yeah. that like the smell in that city must be amazing uh, <laughs> it
1: always smells, like
0: yeah, always smells like christmas yeah
1: it always smells like
2: christmas oh and then the winter when it's everything's all snow frosted and just mm-hmm. beautiful so oh yeah um so hold on i just clicked away from my my page here hold on um that's what i had for their 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 capital city there um i had kind of you know try to give, like, one city, one outpost, and one, like, major important landmark. So, for their outpost, I kind of came up with um, kind of an outpost that, you know, they they like the tallest thing, so they laid claim to the top of an enormous mountain.
3: Mm.
2: One that the dwarves have tried to hold themselves for decades. Uh, the Arataka only really want to use it as an outpost to watch over the area, but... Mm-hmm due to some unfortunate circumstances, the dwarves have um, decided they want to try and kick the the Aarakocra out. And they're, (laughs) they're literally undermining the foundations of the Aarakocra's work. So there's skirmishes, there's conflict there. And um, that could be a really cool way to get the players involved in kind of mediating an issue or picking a side, if you will. Um, I mean, Above above the ground, the Arakkoa rule the world. But underground, I mean, what are you going to do to stop the dwarves from creating sinkholes and whatever you want to do, or
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, creating or, or creating havoc by raiding every chance they get from holes that they make themselves in the ground? So, um, just a cool little, little outpost conflict area there. Yeah. Um, probably my the favorite thing that I've thought up for them. Um, I'm calling it Wind's Edge, and this would be a a proving ground for certain factions of the Aarakocra. So there's another mountain, really high, but uh, the cliffs of which overlook one of the many lakes of fire over the continent. Um, So as you can imagine, there is a pretty severe updraft of wind and heat caused by the fire's That creates a violent and massive thermal draft that soars upwards, up into the stratosphere almost, or however high we want to have it. Um, So any warrior, anybody who wants to prove themselves, has to dive into this thermal and ride it until the world below fades away. And they have to glide and make their way home without flying back up. It's just one long glide back to wherever they're told to go. Oh, that's Um, cool. I mean that height, they might, you know, have to deal with oxygen depletion, mm-hmm. you know, but um, those who make the journey from the Wind's Edge are accepted as true warriors and are known henceforth as Lords. No, I'm kidding.
3: Um,
2: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> of, um, I don't know, whatever cool name we want to give it, but,
3: um. Uh, I
1: I'd, I'd want to call them something like, uh, like thermal riders. Or...
3: Hmm
2: something like that but yeah that that kind of harkens back to one of my old childhood favorite books where they there was a book all about these things and some kid hand gliding and finding them all the time so i just thought that would be yeah a cool homage to one of the books one of the thousands of books i read when i was a kid but um that's kind of my cities and landmarks um and then i just kind of come up with Typical patriarch or king of, of, of the flagship city. city. Um, I, don't I can't even pronounce these weird Eric Cochrane names. Ekiak? Eciac? I find them on these cool name generators and I can never actually pronounce them when the time comes. And I'm like, ah,
1: this guy. It's your creation. Pronounce it however you like. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I just found out that some people pronounce Drow as Drow. What? Yeah. And I was like, that is not, that is not what I, what I took from it. Like, but of course I also call them Wyverns and not Wyvern. So. I,
1: okay. But if you ask me, Wyvern and Wyvern are interchangeable. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: That's interchangeable. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: I, I'm so. sorry, but no. Like, if it was Drow, it would be spelled D-R-O-H. But, anyways, keep going. Sorry. I,
0: yeah, it's it, there. There's like a complicated reason why people are claiming that's how you pronounce it. I don't really know what it is, but.
1: Well, as anyway. our as our resident Tolkien scholar, what's what's your way in here?
0: Uh, I mean, there are, there are no Drow in Tolkien. There's one dark elf, and you know his name because I've told you about him several times because you know that I love talking about that section of this yes. one really my uh, favorite book ever written, because I'm a
1: nerd. It's true. Oh, uh, I'm already falling asleep. Yeah.
0: I promise I do explain it in a very funny way. She but does. Uh,
1: so, uh, not until not like uh, I sidetrack this, but I, I did have her talk for three hours to distract her from where we were going one time. But anyways. <laughs> um, That's funny. Yeah, so uh, uh, I'm trying to think if there were any like anything that I wanted to ask about like the Erikkakra. Um, well, what are the what are oh, the relations get... that the Erikkakra have with like some of the other races? Like, are they contentious with anyone? Or um,
2: probably the dwarves. Okay. Um, but I mean they're pretty they they're not out to rule the worlds per se. You know I mean like they they know that the world is a much more dangerous place nowadays and. They um there's a lot of uh mercenary groups that kind of offshoot from their main populations to kind of go and sell sword to other civilizations. So they have a they have a pretty good reputation.
0: I kind of imagine that some of the Aracoc are are like a little bit arrogant about the fact that like they're kind of built to live in this kind of world. Oh, for you know sure. Like I like I imagine it's not necessarily race. like from like a bad place or like, you know, like I'm like they're not doing it because they're being mean, but it's just like they're just naturally like, no, let me handle it. Like I have wings, I can fly. You don't.
2: Oh, you can't like, just you can't just fly up there, guy. Oh, that's too bad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hold on, I'll be right back. And <laughs> yeah,
2: know, I'll be just... right back. You guys, you guys stay here and hold the ground down.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I'm also yeah. I'm also wondering if like uh, other societies might use them as like messengers, and if they like resent them for that, like. I'm sorry.
3: Oh, you
1: you you want me to deliver a message for you? Me, a member of the race that was specifically designed for a world like this.
2: Okay. What are you paying me? Yeah,
3: yeah exactly.
1: exactly. Fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it, but I'm gonna complain the whole time.
1: Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I I also have to say, like, I kind of picture like the um the the Aarakocra of this world as being like parrot like. So like like toucan and like uh, that like red and rainbow and like African gray like those kind of those kinds of colors as opposed to like sure. the like hawk like that I always kind of normally picture them like the, the mm. earthy tones. But, yeah. I yeah. think there's a
2: lot of um, wiggle room with that. Like each yeah. each biome could have their own style of aracakra. Yeah. Like yeah. For for the um the that leader, I was thinking just your typical golden eagle oh yeah you know ruthless tactician runs the city with very thoughtful efficiency mm-hmm. um does well known for keeping the area safe but then i had come up with um Krier, the wise i guess um who is a venerable wizened old owl style aarakocra mm-hmm. who runs a uh huge library um because i and this is another little bit of lore i kind of came up with too um So this guy's a spellcaster and a powerful one in his own right and he kind of like takes people under his tutelage and has a school in the library but um the library itself would be built into the side of that giant tree Mm -hmm. and um when the cataclysm happened all the aarakocra kind of spent time gathering all the tomes and books and knowledge from all the old civilizations and they brought it to the tree So they have this giant, almost um, library of Alexandria kind of.
3: Oh, and it's like
0: almost like the British Library, where they like stole stuff from the other like countries because they were like, oh, we'll keep it safe. Like you guys seriously can't keep it safe down here. Like we'll take it; it'll be fine.
2: So they're kind of also the seat of the ancient knowledge. So any old um, or anybody who wants to kind of learn or study the past, this is the place to do it. I mean, other places might have their own little libraries with their own culture it's safe but
0: yeah but no one can go as far as the aarakocra can correct
2: Mm -hmm. so that's that's kind of where i got with the aarakocra i mean if you got if you got any other questions or points you wanted me to cover with it i can got a pretty good feel for them so i could probably fill in the blank so to speak
3: I mean,
0: no, I don't have any other questions. I think, I just think it's a really, I like Aarakocra as, as a race. Like, I, I don't think that they're well utilized in a lot of settings because, like, it can be a little hard to fit in, like, you know, bird people into, into a place where that's not necessarily, like, built. Usually they're, like, relegated to, like, deep forests or, like, the jungle.
2: Right. Uh, and I feel uh, a lot of game masters kind of hobble them, too. Like, yeah. oh, you can't, play, you can't play a flying race.
0: Yeah, which uh, I yeah. think is a little safe, but... Um, I know and like, in like in my my home setting they live they're they're basically the um burrito from uh from Windwaker um where they, they start, they're bird people, but they start out not being able to fly and when they come of age, they have to like go to the top of a volcano and like collect a gem from like the the magical pool there and then like they that is when they grow their wings and then they can fly so which came out of because I described some child Aarakocra not having wings and then just re- remembered that they do have wings and described the adult Aarakocra who came to find them having wings. So I had to come up with a reason why. <laughs> and I just yoinked it from wind waker. Cause it was the only thing I could think of quickly.
1: That's that, um, that's that, that's that Twitter meme of, like, I just made a mistake of describing a mountain <laughs> in the past yeah. that is not here now, and now I need to figure out what happened to that yeah. mountain. <laughs> uh, what happened
0: to the mountain? Oh, no, uh... I <laughs> got
1: up and walked away. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I do agree. There's there's usually a um, a problem. I, well, I, I usually find a problem in, in settings, like, trying to work in Aarakocra, especially, like,
3: because,
1: like, well... Tengu I find are really easy because like everybody sees crows. Like, yeah, like yeah. normally. So. But um I don't know, Arakra are like one of those things where it's it, to me at least, I always am like, they live over here in this canyony desert and nobody goes there. So nobody so, so
3: weird, goes there. Like there's
0: Tengu, which are like specifically crows, and then there's Aracakra, which are like all different kinds of birds, and then now there's Strix, which are owls.
3: Oh, so, really? Like,
0: they can't make up their yeah. mind. <laughs> it's like it's like different worlds, like you know.
3: Yeah. yeah. But different, still, like like,
0: like realms has Erika and uh, Tengu, so or Kenku, really.
3: But, uh, well, um, yeah. Sorry,
1: again, I I default to Pathfinder, yeah, so it's Tenku it's Tengu. Tengu the same okay, thing yeah. yeah.
3: I, I love the Kenku. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all
0: right, so Tom, you want to take us through? Your rat
1: folk uh yeah so I'm gonna I'm gonna begin things um, a little bit differently i'm'm I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm much like me and anybody who knows me i'm I'm going to paint you a word picture <laughs>
3: um,
1: so uh, at, like walking through uh, the the high canopy of of the jungles uh, be uh, somewhat uh, deceptive as to to when night day are it's more uh, from how like what life is currently um, you know uh, uh, active at the time really kind of tells you uh, the the day is there's kind of this perpetual twilight in in the the deep forest canopy here uh, however as you as you breach forward through an area of somewhat lower trees and are able to look out along the vine roads that kind of connect you uh, from city to city. Uh, Often in the distance, you see um what generously could be called a mountain, but is really just kind of this this low peak. but as you look out toward it, um, you can understand the name of this this mountain before it is even told to you, as your guide mentions. Ah, I see you can see sun Peak. uh this is a mountain uh that is. Constantly alight uh, from the ember amber, which is that that sap that or fire sap, as it's also sometimes called, uh, that is uh, that that once it catches fire, it's just constantly alight and is somehow able to renew itself uh, before burning out entirely. Um, as you get closer, it turns out that this mountain at a distance is actually a, uh, low opening volcano. Uh, the caldera of which is rimmed with, uh, vinewood, um, or veinwood, depending on where you come from, which is that, that wood that soaks up minerals and, and things from, uh, the, mm. uh, the ground and brings it up to the surface where it's more easily able to be, uh, mined. Um, and sure enough, uh, in this, uh, Sun Peak, as it is uh, colloquially known, there is a large city built around uh, the the uh, Caldera's opening um, called, unsurprisingly, uh, Everday by uh, the locals. Um, the locals are a collection of uh, what is quite possibly, or at least renowned to be by certain uh, elder races, uh, the youngest of the current races, dating back to the calamity that befell this world, that made it into this uh, forested uh, sea. Um, And they are a small, somewhat square-nosed, ratfolk-looking people with no long tail um, that you just kind of want to pick up and hug with their little squinty eyes. And they are a bunch of capybara ratfolk. And I love them. <laughs> uh they are primarily merchants. Uh they have one of the largest groves of uh, ember amber or fire sap trees uh in the area. Uh whereas the uh Aracocra City is probably the safest. Uh this is quite possibly the friendliest, or at the very least, uh one of the mercantile centers of the nearby area. Um they are are alchemists, they're craftsmen they're uh, merchants, and uh somewhat now, with a new tradition of being uh not really hunters per se but uh mercenaries and bodyguards, mostly in order to protect shipments going from one city to another uh if you spend enough time in Everday, you will eventually hear people talking about the guild of amber amber, which is the fire sap craftsmen and merchants there their primary export. Um, you'll also probably hear about the Smoke Fur Guild, uh, which is allegedly a semi legal um, rogue and thieves guild, as well as scouts that work to find new ways through the canopy for their, uh, their merchants. Um, it's often said that by the time these uh these capybara people uh find their way to your city, they have already mapped out the way to your city and the next 3 beyond. Um uh, <laughs> mostly through the smoke furs. Um if you're in need of help getting uh through the trees, you can always hire uh somebody from the bristle claws, um a somewhat uh deceptive uh group of uh mercenaries and uh fighters that uh, despite the fact that you just want to grab these people and like squeeze their cheeks, um, they are quite adept at uh, fighting. Although not as strong as some of the some of the larger races, they are uh, equally as deft and uh, maneuverable. Um, you may also hear rumors of the uh, ones known as Vine Runners, which are uh, the elites of uh, the rangers that are uh, sent specifically to guard the most high value targets that move through the uh, the, the highways of the, the canopy. Um, the veinwood trees, uh, as you get closer to the caldara, are actually there in order to relieve some of the pressure in order to prevent uh, this, this volcano from actually uh, detonating. And they do actually use the stone uh, that is able to come out of this, but uh, due to the nature of uh, the veinwoods, it ends up coming out more like uh, like stone uh, beams or like stone planks that that really uh, like like bricks. Uh, So there's a there's a large um, manufacturing area kind of dedicated to just getting that into a usable state, Uh, most of which is for for ballast as far as uh, making sure that trees don't don't tip over with too much weight on one side and the like. Um, the thing that you'll also notice about these people is that their names tend to be uh, very, very descriptive. And family names don't really have a... um, a, a, Like, they have a place, but they're not really, like, family names. Uh, fathers, sons, daughters, mothers, and all that kind of have... uh, th- They'll stick to the same kind of clique, but they won't have a similar last name. Um, they seem to have kind of a description of them, and then... Um, like something they are known for is kind of their, their family name. So uh kind of going around, uh you'll eventually hear about the leader of Everday, the and the uh alchemical mastermind of the city who kind of keeps everything running and is able to somehow micromanage the uh the day to day operations of the uh the uh the guild of Ember Ember uh into making making profit and, and maneuvering through the uh, political foray of keeping them as neutral as they can be, um, and when you hear of him, he is known simply as great speech friend paw great,
3: <laughs>
1: great speech being uh his given name because he was very eloquent as a as a child uh and friend paw being uh the kind of name that was given to him by um, the, his his peers as uh he was one of the people who was able to make Uh, peace and broker trade deals with the nearby uh, cities uh, that that kind of are now dependent upon the Firesap creations that they now sell. I love that. So that's my three and a half hour speech. Um, (laughs) Welcome to my TED Talk, and I will now field questions. That was great. (laughs) Thank you.
2: Uh, I do hate to do it, but I have to head out. No problem. Um thanks for the uh yeah the awesome stage
3: all technical yeah. um
0: if you have any like like no note, physical notes, send them over to me and I'll put them in the big note doc. I'll uh,
2: send them over to you uh, in a little bit. Once yeah, get
0: yeah, no, take your time. I probably won't do it. It's you know holiday week, so
2: sure. uh,
0: it probably won't go in for a okay, couple everybody. weeks. So no problem. Hey, yeah. Thanks for joining us. And, yes.
2: and and for the audience, thanks for having me. All right, take hey. care, guys. Uh, enjoy your holidays.
0: Yeah, you
1: yeah, too. too. Bye. So I suppose before we actually uh, head off, were there any questions that you had, Allie, about my? I, just,
0: I love the name Great Speech Friend, Paul.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I lo-
0: you, like you know you know my like love <laughs> of like descriptive names for things, and I yes. just think that is so charming. Um, it really fits like the the whole idea of like a tiny little cute. Like capybara, like, or I'm picturing the the what are they the the quokkas? Yes,
1: yeah, yeah. So,
0: like, that's what I'm picturing them like these tiny little like, well, like in, you know, in hipster- my head,
1: <laughs> in my head, they're definitely capybaras. So they have that like I I love the idea like, of like, like that square nosed like long face squinty eyes little tiny ears <laughs> like just giant head on a tiny body
3: rat yeah. and
1: for the record. Rat folk do exist in this world, as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. But like these kind of are, are if if I were to really oh, describe think, it, they'd be it, a subspecies. I
0: can imagine like there's probably different like it, we don't even need they're like rodent folk, you know? So yeah. like, you know, capybaras and maybe hamsters and mice and rats. All of them are
1: I kind of I kind of them as a difficulty. as a subspecies like like a yeah. subspecies class or uh, subrace class choice or subrace choice. That's the word I'm looking
3: for. That's kind of, is, kind yeah.
1: of in the same way of like high elf, wood elf, and, and dark. Yeah. So.
0: And like I, l- I kind of like the idea of of like using a different type of like sub race as the the like dominant one. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, there's rat folk, but like they're not actually like the dominant like rodent folk race. Like it's yeah. these guys. Um, they're like the ones who who are really the like. The, the ones who kind of flourish in this world. Because, um, uh. like, I kind of... That's one of my favorite things about building almost, like, a, a post-apocalyptic world. in mm-hmm. um, like, as much as this is, like, kind of uh, post-apocalyptic, um, kind of, like, I mean, I, it, to me it's a little bit like solar punk, too. Yeah. Um, in the sense of, like, you know, it's, it's very much like, let's live in harmony with nature because we don't have a choice. Uh, but I like the idea of a... Um, like taking your standard fantasy races and like forcing them to evolve into something different, yeah, and um, like what what that would look like.
1: I I admit, um, the way I went about this race in particular is I kind of, ha- like, half jokingly mentioned it last last uh, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. where I was like, uh, you know, two words capybara rat folk and yeah. like that just stuck with me and i was like well what would they be like and of course like everybody like kind of the, the joke on the internet is that capybara are french so i was like well okay so let's let's play with that by the way uh for those at home that want to use this um in my head uh the capybara rat folk have a uh, bonus to their dexterity and their charisma so yeah. <laughs> um I can see that. So, so like, you know, the idea that Capybara are friend shaped and like, you know, what, what type of race or or what, what would the society be like if like they were really trying to capitalize on that? So like the idea that they are like, well, you know, you want to be like a friendly guy if you're like a merchant and like, what kind of like race would, would develop around that. But I also wanted them to be like, not, not more industrial. uh, But I also wanted to kind of harken back to a time like, before the calamity, kind of. So like, yeah. they're they're alchemists and like workmen and craftsmen and kind of.
3: Yeah, kind of I like that.
0: that. Well, because like when I was when I was thinking about like the halflings, um, which we might have talked. To- well, I mean we can, keep this, we can keep this going as long as we want, really. Um,
1: well, I will eventually run out of disk space. E-
0: yes, eventually. Space. Um, but like when I was thinking about the halflings, um, I was like, I don't want them to be like. Really, like, we had kind of talked about them being like, you know, like they're travelers. They travel in these like balloons that they've built. Um, and I, but I didn't want them to be like, cause like there's a couple of, and I'm no, I'm no, I'm like just cutting off myself and just starting new sentences it's here. Fine.
1: I've literally been doing that the last like 20 minutes.
0: When, like, when you think about halflings, like the stereotypical halflings, like you have like the hobbits and you have the candor. Um, and usually it's like, okay, the hobbits are like homegrown like cozy people who live in like these cute little houses under hills and like the kender steal shit and that's what they do like they steal shit and they make problems
1: yeah
0: um and so like there's always like that thing when you're playing a halfling you're like well am i a hobbit or am i a kender like which yeah. side is that and i kind of wanted to be like well i don't want them to be like the typical like romani like like yeah. coded halflings where they travel around in colorful caravans and like are thieves and tinkers and like you know no one trusts them like that to me like one that's super racist and i don't want to do that but two like it's i feel like it's been done so much that like i don't want to i don't want to just i don't want to code them like that and i'd rather them be like um i don't know like uh, like almost like um more uh i i don't want to say like like buddhist but like more okay. like they they go where the wind takes them, so they they don't worry about where they're going next. They're the important thing to them is the journey. Okay. It's not where you're going, but it's how you get there. And so like that's that's like their whole philosophy about life is like go where the wind takes you, like go with your gut, like don't plan, just don't plan because your plan is probably going to have to change. So just like do do as you want. Yeah. Like just don't hurt anyone. Um, yeah. you know. So like I that's how I kind of picture them as being like, yeah. You know maybe they do have like I I kind of imagine that their um. Their like primary colors are kind of like those those like well they're, I'm I'm almost like again stealing as I usually do. I'm almost thinking of them a little bit as like air nomads from Avatar.
3: Yeah, I can. You know can like not.
0: That. Not so much in, like, the, like, full-on, like, we are monks and we all shave our heads and tattoos, like, stuff on, but more like, like, that philosophy of, like, it's, like, you know, you can't predict the wind, so just go, go with the flow. Yeah, it's, it's
1: be, be cognizant of the present and not mindful of the future kind of thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, like, be, like, be in the moment. Enjoy the moment while it's happening and don't, like, think about, don't be thinking about the future when you could be enjoying the present. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, like I kind it. of think that they're very, like, kind of, like, you know, go with the flow. Um, I guess we could bring in the whole, like, kind of pipe weed, like, you <laughs> know, out, like, they, they enjoy their, like, recreational imbiaments. Um You know, and, like, I think that they're, like, the kind of people who would, like, like, they just, like, they literally fly in on a breeze and, like, come to your city and, like, you know, like, just... Like, they're kind of a spectacle when they arrive, because I imagine that, like, maybe they are a little bit of, like, the performer types, but they're more about, like, bringing their philosophy to the world and, like, you know, just being like, no, like, like, I imagine that they're caravans and they're, like, they're, like, balloon trains as it is, um, which I imagine, like, break apart and join up as needed, like, wherever the wind happens to be taking someone, um, but I imagine that they invite people onto their caravans to travel with them like I, to wherever i'm sorry i home.
1: I just had this thought of like uh you know uh like a bunch <laughs> of these balloons kind of get um oh that would actually be really cool because you could have like a city that's just kind of like stuck in like an area that's kind of got this this like dead zone of air so like they're just yeah. they just don't move but um I was just thinking about like this this really funny thing where like you know uh, a new balloon comes in, and then like the wind is beginning to take another balloon out, so they just like disconnect it. And one kid's like, "Hey, uh, where's where's Dad? Oh, well, he was on the other one, so uh, he's going on a new adventure. He'll catch up with us later." Oh
0: like, yeah, and like that's like, I mean, I imagine that they would have these like family groups that are not static, you know? Yeah. Like, I imagine that it would be like, you know, um, like it like family is is a little transient like relationships are a little transient you don't know when you're going to see these people again so like leaving your home is a big deal but also like you have to go where where it takes you you know like if you have the urge to be like oh like you know even if it's as simple as like oh like i want that guy to teach me how to carve yeah i'm gonna go with him like I'll see you when I see you. And, like, that idea of, like, being able to let go of those people. Because, you know, like, they're out there and they're always going to be with you. Like, maybe they'll leave a note at the next city that they go to and, like, you know, you'll collect all of these notes. Some of them are probably years old and, like, read through what everyone is going to. I imagine that they, like, gossip between each other and spread news around on the balloon trail. Um, And, like, they ride the currents and, and, like, it's... They... I a cool thing would be if there was like this kind of cyclical current that brought them all together like kind yeah. of like you're saying like that like, de- like but like it brings you together and then the wind starts blowing again and like breaks it apart so like oh, oh. once every like 10 years there's like a big gathering where like the current has that like the the wind current has has brought them together and then like six months later it like goes apart but that's where like everyone gets back together and like finds out how people have been doing
1: yeah like like again kind of doing what i do with this and like thinking about um like real world uh kind of examples of something like this like i think of it like um, the the like polar vortexes and, and things like that that happened somewhat recently where like yeah these, these huge like wind storms just kind of blow south and then like kind of catch you up on there you could you could definitely be stuffed with that and yeah. Um, I kind of imagine that like a lot of these wind patterns would be very like circular anyway so like yeah you, know, you might you might have like I do like the idea of like this one area where it's just like a dead zone until like once a year the wind just blows everything out of there and then like everyone scatters and then you know by the end of the year like everyone kind of like went back yeah, up they, again they
0: end up kind of stuck in that doldrum yeah and, and then yeah. and then
1: like once every 5 years like the winds just push everything to the center of like the hobbit thing so yeah i I kind of like that yeah
0: oh you know what else would be really cool to add to this world um like the great pacific trash pile
3: yes yeah (laughs) but
0: like in the trees like there's just like this place where like the wind blows all of like the trash to a certain place yeah um that might be fun oh uh uh,
1: so since since we were talking about our inspirations uh for that anyways um uh, I do have to admit the the idea of like a large floating city made up of these uh, these ships uh, comes from one of my favorite books, which is uh, Snow Crash.
3: Um,
1: because <laughs> it doesn't actually, but <laughs> well, well, the I, well, I oh, wow, like it.
0: your your idea of like that,
1: yeah, 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 because yeah. it comes from Snow I Crash. I've
3: read Snow Crash, so
1: well, yeah, but in Snow Crash, there's a city that's built around an aircraft carrier and a bunch of like these refugees that were going there just like, lashed their, their boats to it, so it became this giant floating city of, like, interconnected ships, so. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and, like, the, I kind of, I mean, I like the idea of, like, the, like, balloons, you know, yeah. like, having that, um, kind of, like, kind of translating it from being, like, a, like, a ship thing to being, like, a a flying thing, because, like, I mean like it's almost like we're building like like Waterworld but with trees instead Great of water.
3: Movie.
0: Yeah, oh, I love Waterworld. It's the weirdest movie I've ever seen, but yes. it's really fun. Um, um, it is. Uh so like I like I like the idea of like using like the like the wind um the wind patterns as like oceanic currents to like yeah. bring people together. And like so that's why I was like, you know, it's more of like well, it's kind of like how I was saying like Halflings probably invite other races to travel with them and I imagine that that's like something that is um like a regular thing like it's not unusual to see like you know elves or dwarves or even aerocockers like traveling with halflings just as like a, a temporary thing um because like I imagine there's like if you're on our if you're on our balloon then you're family so like yeah that and it doesn't matter who you are like we trust you and your your family and like that's this is how we do it
1: there's um um, once again relating this back to uh like a couple of ideas for for systems there's the feat that uh you can take in pathfinder to make your culture different so like i i kind of
3: yeah, yeah yeah
1: this funny uh experience happening where you know, like, the furbolg in the party is like, oh, no, actually, uh, I'm a halfling.
3: Yeah, uh, exactly.
1: And, and like, that, yeah. or also the, like, the, the other thing too of, like, uh being a party of adventurers and, like, choosing to, to go with the halflings because they're, at the moment, heading in that direction anyway. And then, mm-hmm. like, one of the halfling children walks up to you and just goes, hey, sis, can you help me with my homework? Like...
3: Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah.
0: Um... So yeah, so it's kind of well, and it's also like I mean, some of the inspiration too is from uh, your Rogue Trader game with the um...
1: oh the Shantai, yeah, The Shantai
0: and like the 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 fleet, the big space Hulk that's just like
1: well it, it wasn't together uh, so to to kind of or like, this... or
0: the the uh like the Corian fleet a little bit yeah
1: too. well that so the Shantai fleet there I actually got a little bit from the Corian fleet and a little bit from yeah. uh, uh uh Snow Crash because yeah. like. That literally was just like as their ships were breaking, they were like, "Oh, we can fix it if we just weld it to this ship." Yeah, so, exactly. So like it was, it was a lot of fun doing that. Um, I I feel we should. Uh, this is completely non-related to our our world building here, but like at some point, you and I need to host a podcast of just like great gaming stories of our careers. But anyways,
3: yeah.
0: Well, I want to. I do want to actually do that as a, as like a thing um, in this Discord. So okay. That is something that I want to do about like you know fun story like stories from your games. Uh, I just got to get it like together.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I I would love to like also like get audience participation there too and just be like, yeah. hey, like tell us about like the funniest moment one of your characters did accidentally or stuff like that. But anyways, uh, oh, yeah. not neither here nor there. Nice. Um, so yeah, the. So that was the halfling. Oh, do you, you mentioned Great Uncle Moto? Did you want to talk about
0: that? Oh yeah, well, Great Uncle Moto. I love Great Uncle Moto. Me too. Um, Great Uncle Moto is everyone's halfling uncle. Um, he's the he's the halfling that teaches all the young halfling thieves how to thief, and um, he is most popular for, uh, or most known for his uh, pie stealing techniques. Um, one of my my first Pathfinder character, um, Pipkin. uh, was a halfling rogue and uh, she would always talk about her great uncle moto who was not actually her uncle or great uncle no one really knows how how he's related but he can just show up to any halfling like group and be welcomed in as like someone's uncle you know he's just great uncle moto um and uh so she would always tell stories about the crazy things that he's done and all of these other things and she had um his pie stealing gloves were her like one of her special items. Um which i usually i basically it, they were um they were gloves of dexterity, I think, or something like that, yeah um, and they had uh they had um like five points of uh fire resistance on them because they were basically uh, uh oven mitts,
3: yeah,
0: so you pick up hot pies and run away with them, um but they were they looked like actual like gloves, they actually were very dexterous, so she could still do her thieving in them. Uh, uh, but that was like always like a little, a stupid little uh, magic item that I put on there. Cause I was like, she has his pie ceiling gloves. They're her greatest possession because he gave them to her because he's like, you're going places, kid. Um, so I like, obviously there has to be a great uncle Moto in this like halfling, yes. you know, bulletin caravan. And uh, he's got like, he's the ultimate, like the ultimate breeze through guy. You know, he'll just show up in a city and be like, "Hey, catching a ride." And because when you're on a ship, your family, he's just great Uncle Moto, and he teaches all the little halflings all of like the tricksy stuff that they need to do to get get around in the world. Um, But he still has that philosophy of like, "Let the wind take you where it's going," and like, "Listen to your heart." And in my head, he's like the like a demigod, like yeah. you know. He's like that, like the culture hero for the halflings, because no one ever gives halflings culture heroes because they always kind of ignore the shorties, and I hate that.
1: Well, um, I, but I, You're you're right. Uh, I don't know if it's because they hate the shorties, because let's be completely honest here, dwarves have a bunch.
0: Yeah, um, like if looking like Forgot If we're looking at Forgotten Realms, like Forgotten Realms, there's they do have a gnomish pantheon, which I it is pretty fleshed out. I like Garl Glittergold who is, like, the the leader of the Halfling Pantheon. And he's kind of supposed to be a little bit of a culture hero. Like, he's, like, like the ultimate, like, illusionist. You know, like, he's all about appearances, and he's Garl Glittergold. Yeah. Um, and I love, like, saying that name. It's great. Um, but, like, the Halfling Sorry, the, Pantheon... Sorry, the only thing has...
1: I can think of when I think of Garl Glittergold was the one time somebody made a kobold in a homebrew campaign and based it on Faerun after I specifically told them not to.
3: But, yes
0: Moving on. um but uh but um well one of my favorite things about it is that the enemy like the big bad enemy in the in the gnomish pantheon is literally a mole like he's a <laughs> white a blind white mole and he's like chaotic evil because he he like bursts up into like half in, not having like, gnomish burrows underground and like screws up everything it's the most hilarious thing um, he's like Carl Glittergold's mortal enemy and he's a mole. Like hilarious. But um the halflings have um they have uh what's her name? I can't even remember her name. Yandala. It's Yandala is like the like the the pantheon mother for the halflings. But like she's literally just a hobbit. Like Yeah. That's all she like she's she's like the mother figure. She's all about like community and family, which is great. Like there's nothing wrong with it, but like they didn't really like break the, the, the mold with that. Yeah. Um, and like her husband is like the Kender, like halfling. He's like a yeah. thief. Um, but like it's people don't like they're not really mentioned as like big gods in the pantheons. It's just like if you look at like my favorite Forgotten Realms book, which is third edition's Faiths and Pantheons. Um great book. I love it. Um it's I I just I love the Forgotten Realms Pantheon. At least for third edition they kinda of messed everything up. But in any case, um like you'll have like the greater gods and then like the demigods and then like in the back of the book there's like here's like the the racial pantheons and you'll have like elves and gnomes and halflings and orcs and dwarves and uh uh like lizard folk and then they'll have another section where it's like demi-human demi like gods and it's like centaurs and grungs and uh uh um is usually there for like the kuatoa um but like I, it always made me angry because I'm like, well, like the usually the leaders of these pantheons are part of like the greater gods section, mm-hmm. and like you'll find like um what's his name uh the leader of the elven pantheon I can't think of his name
1: oh uh do not ask me because I I very Coralon
3: Larethian
0: Coralon okay uh, actually they are they they're not a he um so like. They are in the 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 greater gods section because they're like the big elven god, like the the elven like um, I guess like they they are a culture hero for the the elves, but like in a much bigger sense because they literally used to walk the earth with the elves and like he was married to Lolth, and then they had a breakup and it was very bad. Hmm. Um, he's married to like every female elven deity. It's a little problematic, but like we don't have to get into that.
1: Um, what, are you telling me divorce is a thing?
0: No, it's... Well, so he's... Their wife is um, Ungaroth, um, who is a triple deity made up of the moon goddess Sehanid Moonbow, um, the Avarial goddess, I cannot remember her name, and, like, the, uh, the, the wild... Is she the wood elf one? I don't remember. There's, like, these three goddesses of the elves that, like, Combined together into Angaroth. And she's, like, the, like, the ultimate, like, woman. Um, So, like, Coraline the Rethian is married to her and also to Lulv, who was not part of Angaroth. And, like, he's the father of, like, every, every, like, lesser (laughs) deity in the Elven Pantheon is, like, their child or something like that. It's just... It's very, uh, The only one who isn't is their uh, their brother, who's, like, the sea elf god. Yeah. And he also gets around to, like, everyone else in the pantheon. It's just a very, like, polyamorous pantheon. It's just kind of funny because, like, you, you just, you can't keep it straight. Like, who's sleeping with who today? Yeah.
1: Uh, it's well, really anyways, fun. getting back to the fact that they just ignore halflings, which was the start of yeah. the rant. They so, do. I
0: like to, I always like to have, like, a, a halfling... And like, even a note, like, just like a, like the, the, I'm doing air quotes, um, like the lesser, the lesser races, which is not actually true, but like, you know, the, the, the humanoids rather than the humans, I like to give them some culture heroes because I think that they deserve to have like those stories that you tell around the, like who, halflings and gnomes are going to tell stories amongst themselves. Like they're, they're all like very much about community and like history and I just think that like, great Uncle Moto is the person that they tell these stories about. Like that's who it is.
1: Yeah.
0: So that's why I always put great Uncle Moto. Also, he makes just for a great like when you just mention something and it's like, oh yeah, my great Uncle Moto taught me that. It's Like yeah. he taught you how to write in cursive and also how to speak dwarven. Like what? Um. But yeah. Well, anyway, we can uh, wrap this up because yeah. that's
3: all I was talking about. I was just
1: gonna say that uh in somewhat. Not intended in the way that we were just talking. Great Uncle Moto gets around. Um, Yes, he does.
0: He goes everywhere. Exactly. Um, So, yeah. So, we'll wrap it up now um, because it's almost seven. But uh, thank you for listening. And, um, Tom, you're recording this so we can set that up somewhere. Yes. Um, I'm planning on sending
1: it to John. I'm hoping he edits this bit out. But. I'm planning we'll on sending it to, we'll to John. It, it and, uh, hopefully he'll post it on his or we'll get it up on Mastermind. I have no idea what we'll we're see.
0: gonna do with it. We'll figure out where it's going. Yeah. Um but uh we are um next or uh, two weeks. So that would be um I think the third of uh. January. Um let me just double check that. Yes, yeah, so it will be the third. Um that is when our next uh world building live will be and I'm not totally sure of the topic right now. Um, I imagine that we're kind of probably gonna go to maybe map building and kind of uh, uh, sectioning out the world map. Um,
1: yeah. So well, I, think uh, gonna... I know I know we're missing okay. a few of the GMs this week, as as we were talking about before the. Recording. Yeah, and
0: we can kind of next week we can kind of go in and finish up talking about different things. Yeah. Um, from here, very it's a very loose schedule. Yeah. Um, I just want to I want to have the world built in about five episodes. So yeah. that's my. Um, but thank you all for listening.
3: That's possible, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And uh we'll see you in two weeks. Happy holidays, everyone.
1: Happy holidays.
0: And
3: uh good night.
1: Or good evening, or good morning.